Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. did a wonderful job last week. Tony did a fantastic job Wednesday night. Matter of fact, there were people in Brazil tuning in Wednesday night just to see what was going on back here in Barberville. So, uh, so thankful that we've got men that can stand and, and fill the pulpit and teach God's Word. We're very blessed. This morning on Father's Day, we're going to continue with our journey through the Word together. And this week in our reading, we come to a passage that actually deals with fathers and the narrative of Scripture just kind of continues the same trend, right? We, we see uh, good kings. We see bad kings. Most of them are bad. Most of them lead the people away from God. And eventually, all of these terrible decisions have dire consequences. And so this morning, we're talking about, as you see, the sins of our fathers from 2 Kings chapter 24, if you'd like to turn there. Now, to give you a little bit of background... Back in uh, chapter 20, we read about the son of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah ended up being a, a fairly good king, but he has a son who is a terrible, terrible person. His name was Manasseh. And Manasseh did just about everything evil that a man could do, and God decides to punish the entire kingdom of Judah because of Manasseh's sin. But Manasseh had a grandson. And this is, if you go back and read this story, I love this character in the Bible. His name is King Josiah. He was Manasseh's grandson, and Josiah was the last godly king. And Josiah's story is fascinating. Basically what happens is they find the word of God during his reign, and he begins to read it. And as he reads God's word, he's brokenhearted because he realizes how sinful the people are. And he goes about bringing revival to the nation. But then when he dies... Everybody goes back to the ways of his grandfather, Manasseh. And so we come to the reign in 2 Kings 24 of Manasseh's great-great-grandson, Jehoiakim. So chapter 24 says this. It says, During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked. Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years, and then he turned and rebelled against him. Now notice the language. The Lord sent Chaldean, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Jehoiakim. He sent them against Judah to destroy it. Who? He, the Lord. He sent them against Judah to destroy it. According to the word of the Lord, he'd spoken through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, this happened to Judah at the Lord's command to remove them from his presence. It was because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done. And also because of all the innocent blood he had shed. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord was not willing to forgive. The rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign, along with his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Verse 6, Jehoiakim rested with his ancestors, and his son Jehoiachin became king in his place. Now the king of Egypt did not march out of his land again, for the king of Babylon took everything that had belonged to the king of Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. 
Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, daughter of Elnathan. She was from Jerusalem. He did, again, what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. At that time, the servants of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon marched up to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. King Jehoiachin of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his commanders, his officials, surrendered to the king of Babylon. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. He also carried off from there all the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king's palace. And he cut into pieces all the gold articles that King Solomon of Israel had made for the Lord's sanctuary, just as the Lord had predicted. Now imagine what a a sad, just a tragic sight this would have been for God's people to see the temple ransacked and all of these articles carried off. Verse 14, He deported all Jerusalem and all the commanders and all the best soldiers, 10,000 captives, including all the craftsmen and metalsmiths, except for the poorest people of the land. No one remained. Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiachin to Babylon. He took the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The king of Babylon brought captive into Babylon all 7,000 of the best soldiers and 1,000 craftsmen and metalsmiths, all strong and fit for war. Bottom line, God had had just about as much of these people as, as he could stand. He was pretty well done with them. And the book of 2 Kings goes through that history, illustrating this this generational dive deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. And we see time and time again this sheer refusal on the part of God's people to repent from their sin, except for a few cases like Josiah. But mostly, it's just a downhill slide. Now this morning, there's three things we need to look at as far as fathers on Father's Day. And the first is this, very important. We see this illustrated in Scripture, is that many children suffer from their father's sin. The author tells us that God sent these various groups of people, the Chaldeans, the Moabites, the Amorites, all these different people, many of whom had plagued Israel and Judah for for years, for, for generations. God sent them against them. While Jehoiakim was a bad man, The Bible says he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It explicitly says that God brought this terrible judgment on them. Why? Because of the sins of Manasseh. And it wasn't just his father. It wasn't just his grandfather. But Jehoiakim suffered directly for the sins of his great, great grandfather. Imagine being in that guy's shoes. I had the privilege of knowing and remembering my great-great-grandfather. His name was Joe Shields. He was a, a fascinating a one-armed man. Just a, 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 Everybody loved him. A lot of people around town actually still remember him. Now, a lot of people don't remember their great-grandparents. I don't think anybody knew their great-great-grandparents, right? But this guy's being punished, and the nation's being punished for the sins of his great-great-grandfather. And then more generations will also suffer because of his sins. The point is this, though. Dad, your children, your grandchildren, maybe even your great and great-great-grandchildren are blessed through you. They're blessed from your hard work. 
They're blessed from your sacrifice. They're blessed from your, your presence and, and just being there and being part of their lives. They're blessed from your godly leadership and your influence. But the opposite is also true. They often experience firsthand the results of your sinful choices. Think about how many children. Here's an example. Think about how many children just tonight in Knox County will go to bed without the presence of a father in their home. Think about how many children in our community alone will go hungry sometime this week because they, one, either don't have a working father in the home, or two, the father that is there is spending all of the money they do have on things like drugs and alcohol. Children suffer from their father's sins. The data supports this. Here's some, some stats. The National Institute of Justice says that 90% of runaway and homeless children come from fatherless homes. The Department of Justice says that 70% of minors in state facilities come from fatherless homes. The National Center for Education says that 71% of high school dropouts come from, guess what? Fatherless homes. The point is that you matter, Dad. You matter in the lives of your children. Your choices matter. Your presence there matters. Again, your godly influence in their lives matters. And it's not just so your children won't suffer from your choices. It goes a little deeper than this. The, the, more important than that is that many children will be like their father when they grow up. Why do we have so many sayings like this? Finish this one for me. Like father, like... The apple doesn't fall too far from... Just a chip off the old... We know it, don't we? And that's usually how it works out. It's expected... That a child will be a lot like their father, at least in some way. We see in 2 Kings chapter 24 that Jehoiakim died and his son Jehoiachin took his place. And really Jehoiachin was just a kid. He was 18 years old and he's left to rule the nation without his father, in his father's stead. And how do you think this kid naturally acted once his father died? He acted like his father. The Bible says that he not only did what was evil, but it actually says he did what was evil in the Lord's sight just as his father had done. Like father, like son. Now we know, at least I hope we know, it doesn't always have to be this way, does it? Children have every opportunity to make their own choices, to break that generational chain of, of sin and, and be something more and do something more. And what I'm, what I'm getting at, if you've, never, if you've not realized this, and maybe you're a young adult or even a kid this morning, realize that just because dad was an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. Just because dad was a deadbeat doesn't mean you have to be a deadbeat. Just because dad was, was an adulterer or abusive or whatever the case may be does not mean that's your lot in life. You can rise above that. However, it's also true, dad, that your influence in your child's life is perhaps the most strongest influence that they have. Research shows that. Did you know that if the father doesn't go to church, even if mom goes faithfully, if dad does not go Research tells us about 2% of children will grow up and go to church. If dad goes to church, regardless of what mom does, not to say mom's not important, but if dad does go to church, that number jumps from 2% to about 70% of children growing up and attending church faithfully. More than that, 
Did you know that if a child is the first person in the household to become a, a Christian, there's a 3% chance, 3.5% chance that the entire household will be saved if the child gets saved first. If mom becomes a Christian, guess what the number jumps to? About 17% chance the household will be saved. But if dad gets saved first, guess what? There's a 93% chance that everyone in the home will be saved. Dad, you matter. You make a difference. Like father, like son. Dad, your children, they're going to follow you. They're going to follow you if you're on the wide road headed for destruction. Or they're going to follow you on the straight and narrow headed for Jesus. They're going to walk in your shoes. Chances are. Why is that? It's very simple. It's because your dad. Your dad. So it begs the question. And this is a very straightforward sermon this morning for our fathers. If our children will suffer for our sins. If they're going to be like us. Here's the question. What kind of father will you be? We see in this story how this son, with his dad now dead and out of the picture, has his kingdom invaded. And instead of rallying the people, turning to the Lord, fighting till the last person stands, he cowardly surrenders to his captives. And everything great that that nation once was, everything that David had fought for, everything that Solomon had accumulated and built, all of that was carried off and plundered along with all the people that were taken captive. All because of this long line of fathers and sons who rebelled against God and refused to repent. So, Dad, again, what kind of father are you going to be? Even if your dad was no good... Are you willing to break that generational curse, as we call it? Are you willing to be the kind of father that your children need and deserve? Are you willing to be more like, as we sang about, our Heavenly Father, who loves us unconditionally, who's there for us no matter what life brings, who treats us a lot like a man I'm going to share about, whose name was Jim Redman, and the way he treated his son. You've probably never heard the name Jim Redman, have you? Maybe some of you remember the name of a, an athlete named Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was a British runner. He was in the Olympic 400-meter sprint back in 1992 in Barcelona. Now, he held the record for the 400-meter in Britain and was a contender to be first place. It was, if he performed well, they expected him to win the 400-meter in the 92 Olympics. And he was prepared for that sprint for the most important 45 seconds of this man's life. Now, if you know anything about running, you'll never see me run a 45-second 400-meter. Just saying. That's fast. And so Derek's ready. He's trained. He's prepared. He's mentally in the game. The gun goes off. He takes off. He's looking good. The, the, even the, the commentators say he's got the best form they've ever seen him have in his career. And about 15 seconds into his sprint, one lap around this track, 15 seconds in, something happens. And he grabs his leg and he's grimacing in pain and he just collapses right there on the track. His hamstring had torn 15 seconds into the race. This record holding, world-renowned athlete 
crumbles in pain. And if that was how the race ended, no one would ever remember the name Derek Redmond. But a trainer runs out and tries to help him and tries to get him off the, off the track. But Derek kind of pushes him away and he gets back up on his feet and he begins to hobble as fast as he could around this track. Just one lap. That's all he's got to do. And he makes his way around and he's trying his best. He just wants to finish this one single painful lap. And as he, he limps around and as all the other racers had long finished before he, you know, minutes before, and the crowd begins to cheer him on, you know, what, what good sportsmanship. Finish the race. And then something even more strange happens. As he comes around the turn on the track, another man rushes... <laughs> Rushes out of the stands. Somehow pushes security out of the way. Track attendants are coming trying to hold him back. He pushes them out of the way. Gets out to Derek and throws an arm around him. Begins to walk with him. Derek turns and he realizes who this man was. And he just breaks down. He buries his head in his shoulder. It was Jim. It was his dad. This amazing moment, they began to go around the track together. Another attendant tries to run up because the Olympics, you got to keep going, man. There's a lot of events. They try to get them off the track. Dad gives him the stiff arm, says a few choice words, get out of here. And they go on together. The crowd at this time is standing to their feet as they cross the finish line, cheering them on, finishing this race Together And afterwards, the father said, Jim said, whatever happened, he had, he had to finish. And I was there to help him finish. He said, I intended to go over the line with him. We started his career together and we finished it together. Now, that's a motivating story, but I think what a picture of our Heavenly Father. As we're running through life, as Paul says, we're running this, this race. And I tell you what, man, there's days I feel like my hamstrings have just been cut. And I'm lying there in my mess and having my little pity party and I'm trying to limp along and all of a sudden there's an arm that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and sometimes it drags you and sometimes it carries you. That's our Heavenly Father, there to pick us up, carry us across the line if He has to. And when others come and they try to distract us, they try to pull us off course, God gives them the stiff arm, says, get out of here. He's mine. And He sees us home. Point is, we need to be a father like that, guys. We need to be a father that, one, leads our children closer to Jesus, more than anything else. A father that cares for and provides for his family. A father that teaches our children biblical values. A father that exemplifies what a strong Christian man is supposed to be and supposed to look like. A father that loves our children the way our heavenly father has loved us. A father that when they grow up, we can be proud and others can hope that they turn out like the Father. That's my challenge to us this morning, gentlemen. Thank you for what you do.
Our churches, our society, our families would not be what they are without godly men. So let's rise to the occasion. Let's join in prayer. Let's stand together as we pray this morning. And let's pray especially for our fathers today. Dear God, our, our Heavenly Father, Lord, first I thank you that as a father, I, I have an example, a perfect example to live up to. That as your child, Lord, you, you, you've held nothing back in your love for me. And God, I pray that you teach me to love my children the same way. God, teach us fathers to, to care for our children the way you care for us, to provide for them the way that you provide for us, to lead them the way that you lead us. Lord, teach us to love our families the way that you love the church and gave yourself up for her. God, I know there's a lot of dads that are struggling. It's tough being a dad. Everybody looks up to you. The weight of the world's on your shoulders. God, we've got to balance work and home and church and all of this stuff. So Lord, I pray that you give our Father strength today. God, I pray that you give them a, a courage to stand when it's tough. Even if it means standing alone for what's right and godly. God, give them the, the fortitude and the, the wisdom to lead their families and to lead their children closer to you. Lord, above all this morning, if there's someone here that does not have their Heavenly Father in their life and they need to be saved, I pray that today they say yes to Jesus. It's in His wonderful name we pray. Amen. this morning. Father, Dad, if you just need to come and you want to pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for your children. If there's someone else here that needs to come and, and pray or make a decision this morning, why don't you come as we sing? Right. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.